Welcome back to The Digital Dive, a conversation about tech. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm one of your hosts. And my name is Darsh. I am your other host. This week, we're talking about a couple of things. For one, we'll be talking about RCS and the future of text messaging, as well as doing a huge breakdown on Samsung Unpacked and all the new devices that were announced this week. It's going to be a packed episode. We actually polled you guys on Twitter on which one you wanted to hear about, and the feedback was pretty split. So we're just going to do both. If you want to hear about just the Samsung event, just skip forward in the episode. But I actually think that this RCS conversation is super interesting. So if you listen to the episode and you like what you hear, definitely hit the follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And shout out to Makai for giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. He says, amazing, chill podcast. I've been following the podcast and I've enjoyed the topics every single Monday. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you so much, Makai. If you guys want to be featured in the next episode, we're going to be like shouting out one person that gives us a rating every week. It actually really helps us get the show out to more people. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And let's roll the intro. All right, all right Jacqueline. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, all right. This has been a big week for tech. I feel like there was like a little bit of a lull period where there wasn't a lot of stuff happening, and now we're really in the throes of it. First one is obviously this conversation that keeps coming up about iMessage, Green Bubble versus Blue Bubble. But this week it's coming up again because Android is launching an all-out campaign that says, "Hey, it's time for Apple to fix texting," which is bold. I would agree. I would agree. That is a pretty bold statement, especially if to put all of that kind of blame directly on iOS. Why is that the case, Jacqueline? Why is it that we have now kind of put this blame toward why messaging sucks just fully onto Apple? What, what is the argument here? Yeah. Okay. So just a, a little like 90 second history lesson in texting. In the early 1990s and the 2000s, this type of texting called SMS, short message service, and MMS, multimedia messaging service, was created. And basically this allowed users to send short messages and photos and videos to each other. This is like at peak time when like BlackBerry is still like doing BBM, which is like its own messaging and SMS and MMS kind of like come onto the scene and they become the standard and it's via phone carriers. So there's no encryption. There is like a data cap on files, but up until 2011, this is the best option that we have. Then 2011, Apple changes the world with iMessage, which is their own version of texting that sends messages via Apple carriers versus phone carriers. So this allows for end-to-end encryption. It also allows for red receipts, typing notifications, bigger files, and over time, um, reactions, better group chats, et cetera. Like all the good things that we know and love about texting, iMessage started in 2011. But when they did this, they kept SMS and MMS for texting with non-iPhone users. And to show the distinction between the great iMessage and the terrible SMS, They made iMessage bubbles blue and SMS green, which actually breaks accessibility contrast law. Like green and white is not readable. So like, I feel like that was pretty intentional. Like a lot of, Darsh and I will talk about this, but a lot of this is like Apple's marketing strategy is like pretty brilliant for better or worse. And so like by creating two different colors, they kind of created like a cultural tribalism of like iPhone users and non-iPhone users. And then in 2015, Google sees this and they come out, they acquire a company called Jive Mobile, which essentially creates the same service called Rich Communication Services, RCS for short. And this service allows users to also have end-to-end encryption, texting, no like file size for like photos and videos or like a much larger one, typing notifications, et cetera, et cetera. It's basically iMessage, but for Android, but Apple has not adopted it yet. They're still using SMS. And so it means that if you're an Android user, texting with an iPhone user is like super unfortunate for both people because there's no end-to-end encryption. It ruins group chats and photos look terrible. So that's like the overview of the situation. And basically Android is launching a campaign this week and Google saying like, 
It's not about the colors of the bubbles. It's the broken group chats, blurry videos, missing red receipts, and typing indicators, no texting over Wi-Fi, and more. These problems exist because Apple refuses to adopt modern texting standards when people with iPhones and Androids text each other. And so they're basically saying like, everyone's putting the blame on the blue bubble, but it's just like Apple not adopting the technology. I think that is actually kind of crazy like to, to start thinking about like how Apple has all this power in their hands where if they do not update their own software to adopt and to be more, I guess, inclusive towards Android users, they're actually missing out on a lot of safety features that they, they tend to pride themselves on. Like, I don't know if any of you have noticed as anyone who's listening, any, any and most Apple advertisements now do come out with saying that this is encrypted or this is all about security, this is about privacy. But when you bring up the conversation of, oh, like I'm texting an Android user, or maybe my boss has an Android user and the conversation that we're having are now no longer encrypted. That kind of creates this divide where you're, I don't know. I just, I guess I feel now less safe, not like now knowing this. I didn't know that the messages were unencrypted uh, just because they were texting to a green bubble. So this is just all new information to me. This is absolutely crazy. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, so I was doing a lot of research for a video that I worked on for this and I was pretty surprised about some of the stuff as well, particularly that one, because obviously a lot of iPhone users text non-iPhone users. And so I feel like the rhetoric and Apple's done a really great job with the marketing for this better, for better or worse is like, it only affects Android users, but it's really not the case. Like it does affect everyone. And it's like unrealistic that you'll cut people in your life that don't have an iPhone. And so I definitely think that it has created like, this tribalism, which isn't great. And then the other thing that I think is like worth noting is like for Apple's perspective, obviously like an elite email came out with Craig Federighi saying like, they do not want to put iMessage on Android because it takes away one barrier for keeping iPhone families from giving their kid an Android phone. And so like they know that iMessage is a huge selling point of the iPhone and a giant ecosystem lock-in. And so, I don't know, the question I want to pose to you, Darsh, because it's something that I go back and forth on is like, should they have to do something like adopt technology that will arguably make it like you don't need their product anymore? Like obviously you need their product for a million other reasons, but it takes away one of the reasons why people use their product. Like should they have to do that because it's better for their users or as a company, are they ethically and morally right to not do it. Well, the thing between the thing about ethics and morals, right, is that like they actually have no standing in like law. Uh, laws and regulations aren't put into place to aid people to be more ethical or moral. Those are just expected values and traits that you should have as an individual in society, right? So whether or not Apple will actually go about updating their messaging platform to adopt or to accept RCS as a mode of communication, I don't know if Apple will end up doing that. Whether they should or they shouldn't, I think that Apple should for just the purpose of encryption and just the safety behind it. With these text messaging applications, like you, do, you do realize that there is no reason for Apple to make iMessage more accessible to people who do not have an iPhone. I fully understand that because it's very much like this is iMess This is one of Apple's differentiating features between iOS and Android. One of the things that really does make it a polar, polarizingly different operating system, their entire ecosystem. But I think that texting should be adopted in an RCS format so that individuals who do have an Android phone can message an iMessage user with I guess, more continuity with less issues, but I don't think that they should be integrated into group chat. I think that red receipts would be great. I think tap back would be fantastic because I know if you tap back someone or like you react to a message on iMessage on your phone to an Android device, they get like a little asterisk, like this person reacted with this reaction. Yeah, it's like Darsh laughed at this message. Yeah, like those small features are like texting GIFs and stuff like that. They're just basic texting things that have been in different texting apps for so long should be adopted in iMessage for everyone, whether or not you have an Android or not. But I don't think that like iMessage group chats or iMessage specific features that aren't available in other messaging apps, I don't think those have, I don't think there's like a right there or like a specific need for them to implement that for Android users, if that makes sense. Like I feel like there should be some differences, 
but RCS being adopted should be the case. It just doesn't need to be that we have all group chats are the same or so on. So, or maybe the group chats that you have with Android users can be created, but they can't, they, like they're missing on certain feature sets. Like that as a business perspective, I feel like makes more sense than to fully offer like iMessage or all the features of iMessage to Android users because then it just completely destroys the purpose of iMessage. Mm, that's interesting. Do you feel like, so I, if they adopt RCS, like if they change SMS to RCS, then a lot of the features just would automatically show up. But the other thing that I've kind of been grappling with and where I left my video off is like, if they do this, right? Like, let's just say in a hypothetical, every single feature that iMessage has, you can get now if you text a non-iMessage users, red receipts, GIFs, all of it, right? But the bubble still stays green. Do you think it ends the cultural stigma? And I also, I just want to quickly say, I know that this is like a very North American, like a North America problem. I know like internationally and globally, like this is not a thing. So for our international Listeners, like you may think that this is really arbitrary, but it actually is something that really affects the day-to-day life if you're in like America, for example. I think that the green bubble is polarizing in its color set, like because it's this like light green that really does stand out, like it sticks out like a sore thumb, especially when the rest of your messages are blue. But if Apple were to implement RCS in the hypothetical world that we live in right now, um, if they were to actually implement RCS into their messaging platform, I think that the stigma behind having an Android wouldn't be completely taken away, but I think that there will be a large number of users who will give less of a shit if that makes sense interesting <laughs> like i like most people i talk to who are like oh my god i don't want the green bubble is like because okay you don't get red receipts you don't get delivered messages like you don't get you don't get delivered notifications like you don't have any of that it's harder to send gifts it's harder to, it's harder to send images like if you're able to make it so that all these features that we'd want or like that would just be normal to have and be able to like send messages with gifts and tap backs and all that kind of fun jazz um, that we have in iMessage, I feel like that would just take away from the stigma because then it's the same thing, just a different like colored bubble. Like that's the only difference then, right? I agree with you. I do think though it won't ever fully go away until it's the same color because I I do feel like I definitely have friends that will not talk to guys if they're a green bubble, like just because they think it like, and I know it's dumb, but like they think it like says something about this, the person in a way. I don't know. Like, I definitely think that in a certain age group, in a certain part of the world, like they judge you if you don't have an iPhone. Honestly, I wouldn't even say specific age group because I remember actually like last summer I had worked for this company. It was a broadcasting company and uh, I'd gone in to talk to the CEO. And on my first day, I was just chatting with him and he was asking me, he was like, so what phone do you have? I was like, I have an iPhone. He's like, oh, okay. So you don't, you don't like Android. I was like, no, I love Android. It's just, I'm too ingrained in the iOS ecosystem. And I've accepted the fact that I'm probably going to be stuck with an iPhone for the foreseeable future. Unless I can, unless I'm at a position where financially I can afford having two phones, I can have both best of both worlds. I will be on iOS. I'll be on iOS. I'll be on an iPhone. And he's like, well, that's interesting because I like to think that the phone that a person has and uses tells a lot about that person. The more, the, the more recent the phone is, the more technologically savvy that they are, the more they care about the tech that they use. If it's an Android Agreed. phone, the individual is probably someone who is very, very tech savvy, but they may not be, more, they may not be willing to accept like, what it, social norms like having an iPhone or using iMessage because they don't see the value of that. But there is a value behind having iMessage because you are right, there is that stigma there. So if you have iMessage, you stand out as being this part of the norm. It's, it's easier to sell yourself as an individual to someone if you're already in their in-group, whereas having an Android in this green bubble makes an out-group and like you tend to identify more with your in-group than your out-group and that whole psychological conversation could go even further. But the, the end goal of what I'm trying to say here is that like, I think that the phone that you have does speak to who you are as a person, but I feel like this instant jump to, okay, you have a green bubble, you are not my type of person is a really flawed form of thinking. I agree with you. 100% yes to all of that. Yeah, I, um, I think it is a really interesting conversation to have. And I think the other thing is that because Google is being so adamant about it, 
it's going to be like this type of discussion where I think um, like if Apple does anything, they'll do it quietly because I don't think that they're going to want to like draw attention to it because then I think like Google will definitely like make, I don't know, like remarks about it in a way. Like I think like if, if Apple like adopts to it, I feel like Google will do like, like we won, like finally Apple's catching up. So I think if they do change it, they'll do it quietly. Like they won't necessarily make an announcement about it and they'll keep everything else the same. Yeah. I I think that makes sense. Like I think what Apple will end up doing eventually, because MMS and SMS is an outdated platform. Like it's something that if you're using like a flip phone, that's what the texting service they'll be using. And even then, actually, if these are Android run flip phones, which are actually becoming more and more popular, it's probably running RCS. So realistically speaking here, I think Apple will eventually update to adopt or to include RCS in its messaging platform, but I don't think it's going to provide it with the same number of features because I think that Apple can adopt RCS without enabling it all the features that are integrated into the iMessage ecosystem. I agree with you. I agree. All right. Well, let us know on Twitter, guys, if you like what you think. I think that this is definitely a, a smart move on Google's part, especially to like put the conversation on Apple specifically, because obviously a lot of the blame always falls on Android. I think it's a pretty smart PR move. And I had a briefing actually with uh, the guy that was like very prominent in inventing and like working on RCS, which was really cool to like hear his perspective as well. So I'm excited. We'll see what happens. I hope that I just think for the industry, it would make sense for Apple to adopt RCS. I love iMessage. I think Apple creates a ton of incredible services, but I do think that we're at a point where RCS is like very needed and they should just do it. So we'll see. But I also want to talk about the other big thing that happened this week in tech, which is Samsung Unpacked. Yes, yes, yes. Samsung Unpacked. Actually, it was yesterday, right? Or two days ago um, where the announcements were taken. yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah. I remember I got an email in the evening and it was just this breakdown of all these new devices. Like, wow, I, I forgot that it was today. Um, I started doing all this like research into the new devices. And I, I do want to say that like, like before we do break, break down everything that was newly announced, I do want to say I'm so happy that the hinge fully closes. Mm. From every image I've seen, like the hinge looks like it pretty much fully closes. Like I didn't watch the full event, so I'm not sure if that's the actual case. I still think that there's a little bit of a gap, but it's better. It, it's gotten like significantly better to a point where like all of the promotional material, you can't tell. Interesting. Okay. I haven't looked at their promotional material because I've like used the actual device in person, but I haven't looked at their images. Are they like rendering it in a way where it feels like it's not there? Yeah. Well, they're rendering in such a way that it looks like it's pretty much, there's, it's pretty much like there's no gap anymore. Interesting. Like, they're, they're promoting it as if it's literally as if you have two phones stacked on top of each other. Like that's how they're playing it out right now. Interesting. Which one do you think is like cooler, fold or flip? I like the fold now more than I like the flip. Because of the fact that the, that the gap between the hinge, like between the, for the screen isn't as big anymore. I feel like that safety aspect has come back where I feel like the internal screens are a little bit more protected. And the outside screen is like huge. It's the, the entire front display. It's the entire front panel of the phone. So you have like a full normal phone you can use just for quick things like texting, calling, like quick Twitter, whatever you need. But then whenever you want to open up your phone and have a full-fledged tablet, a seven-inch tablet in your hand, you have full access right there. I also love the Fold and they're having some durability improvements this year with both of them. The Flip has a 45% stronger screen, I believe. And the aspect ratios are a little bit more normalized as well. And so in the past, it's been super narrow. It's now 23 by nine, which is still more narrow than like the 18 by nine, but it's getting more normal. And so I think that that's honestly one of the things that vastly affects user experience. So that's a big improvement. Cameras are a little bit improved, but it's definitely like refinements versus like changing the game. But I think that honestly, all they really need to do is just refine to get better and better so it can become mainstream. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, though, for everyone who doesn't know what we're talking about here, let's give a quick breakdown into what was announced. So starting out with number one, we had the Galaxy Z Fold 4. It was probably the star of the show this year in terms of what they were presenting. We're getting the latest flagship foldable from Samsung here with a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 processor, an enhanced 50 megapixel main camera, and a more than capable telephoto lens with three times optical zoom. 
They said that the main display is brighter. And the main story here is all the software improvements that Samsung has added, specifically with the Android 12L uh, software. The new tablet-focused version of Google's mobile OS will allow for a redesigned taskbar for more efficient multitasking. And critically here, more apps from Google and Microsoft are going to support the Z Fold form factor so that when you do decide to purchase one of these devices, your apps will be more kind of built out to be better placed and better used here. So that's going to be great with the Z Fold 4. Moving to the Z Flip 4, uh, we don't have any notable huge hardware upgrades here other than a bigger 3,700 milliamp hour battery, as well as again here, the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 processor. And the primary camera Samsung claims is 65% brighter than the one found in the predecessor. The thing I'm actually very excited about here with the Z Flip 4 is the 3,700 milliamp hour battery. If you guys have seen my review of the Z Flip 3 from last year, my biggest concern was the battery life. So I'm actually very excited to see how this one plays out. With no price cuts here, the Z Fold uh, will go on sale on August 26th, and it also incorporates a slimmer hinge and some new software customization options for the front screen, so you have some more playroom there. The new Galaxy uh, Watch 5 will also be adopting Wear OS, similar to last year's Galaxy Watch 4. Companies reshaped the back of the wearable to create more surface area for contact within your wrist so that you can use more of the sensors available on the back. Um, it's going to be coming in a 40mm and 44mm models with bigger batteries, as well as offering a large 590 milliamp hour battery to support those bigger battery claims. We have a titanium case and a bigger 45 millimeter display on some pro options, and it'll start at 280 bucks. And last but not least, so this entire rant of me just breaking down the Samsung Unpacked for you, we have the Galaxy Buds Pro, uh, which were probably some of the good, like best wireless earbuds you could buy last year, alongside the AirPods and some other ones that we've mentioned before on the podcast, like Sony's. To start, there's now the addition of Bluetooth 5.3, as well as 24-bit audio support and better noise cancellation. These features together should improve audio quality and make it easier to tune out ambient noises. And thanks to a 15% smaller design, Samsung said they should fit better in your ear as well. The most intriguing addition is a feature called Intelligent Voice Detect. So when you start speaking to someone, it'll turn off the ANC and lower the volume of your music so that you can actually hear what you're saying and hear the person that you're talking to, which is a similar feature that's been on the Sony XM4s and XM5s for such a, for quite a while that I'm actually really happy to see here. Uh, I use them on my XM5s or XM4s so often, it's absurd. Yeah, I think the software features, is, I agree with you. Like, that's definitely where this phone shines and all of their new stuff shines, like even the Galaxy Watch, because the form factor is already excellent. So the main things that they really need to do is like keep iterating the hardware to make it more durable and then make the software so excellent that it actually utilizes the hardware. So like the value of them is undeniable. Like I think that that's really the way they get these to sell. Absolutely, absolutely. Jacqueline, here, when it comes to the Galaxy Z Flip, what are your thoughts on this new update? Like, do you feel as though like this is something that you're excited for or just something that kind of just was announced because it needed to be announced? It just needed an iterative update. I'm excited for them, honestly. So the Flip to me is like the phone that you get if you're a girl and you don't have pockets because they never give us pockets in anything, that it's really portable, which is nice. Or if you just like care about portability and being intentional with your phone above all else, like having to like remember to open it, I think like puts a barrier between you're using it. And of course, like if you just like like the nostalgia of a flip phone, but the full to me is really where it's at in terms of like practicality, because it does give you that big display for productivity. Um, you can run three apps at the same exact time. Watching content is great. It's an awesome viewfinder for the camera. Both of them, I still don't think I'd use on a daily basis just because camera is like one of the most important features to me on a smartphone. And I think that these phones prioritize like form factor and like other features over the camera. Like if you want an excellent camera, then from Samsung, their S lineup is the best one. So these cameras are better this year, but they're still not like the top of the line. So for me, that's still like a, this can't be my daily phone. But I do think that if I was going on like a long work trip, the full definitely would be my preference because you get so much usability and utility in just one device. 
No, absolutely. I think if you're on the go, the Z Fold does a really good job. And the Z Flip, I think, is nice, but I, I think it would be nice as a secondary phone. Like, hear me out here. So if you have a work phone that you need to have on you at all times, I feel like the Z Flip could be a great phone for that just because it works well to keep like to keep the size of how many things you're carrying in your pocket down it's like a small little piece that you can just put in your back pocket and not have to worry about it and on top of that also like it is just a different novel kind of phone to have and i feel like as a work phone it would set it apart and make it easier to differentiate between your normal phone it's regardless whether or not you have an android or an ios phone having this specific form factor which is very different and unique kind of sets it apart i don't know i just feel like it could be a very interesting uh second device rather than a primary but i do agree i think you do need to have a main device uh for your everyday kind of activities that's actually really i didn't think about that before but that makes a lot of sense as like a secondary device that's actually really fascinating i think i think that could uh could work wonders there i'm also really excited for the galaxy watch i feel like samsung has been getting better year after year with their watches and it's become more of an actual competitor to that of apple i personally have been seeing or been feeling as though it's been getting better so Maybe this is just me, but I, I think it's, I'm very excited for this. For the Galaxy Watch, you said? Yeah. I think that that's actually a really big one because it feels like the only real Wear OS contender now. Well, that's the thing. It's like the, as time has progressed, right, more and more companies have dropped off the face of the earth when it comes to their smart devices. And uh, Samsung has been one of the only ones to try to keep up with Apple in terms of like iterative updates year after year. So seeing the Galaxy Watch still being presented and offering a pro option too, which I think was a really good idea just because it gives you more um, here, it's it's less like having to get the sport version versus the normal one. It's like, no, you can get the normal watch, which is still as good as the, the bigger one. Just the bigger one's going to be a little bit more premium and have, like, I think it's slightly a nicer case. It's like it's just a titanium case and a bigger, a one millimeter bigger display. Like, if you want that, that's the pro model, which I guess, like, like I don't know. I like the idea that it's effectively the same device. It's It's not as big of a difference, like, versus the sport and the normal Apple watches, for example. Yeah, and also I think like the fact that Google and Samsung are taking this partnership so seriously is a big step because I feel like in the past Google has kind of not really focused on their partnerships with other OEMs, but it feels like together Samsung and Google actually have a real shot of like dominating the market versus like if they compete with each other. And Samsung is obviously like the major player in getting Android into people's hands. So it makes a lot of sense for Google to be involved and Google has significantly better software than Samsung obviously does like compare stock Android to TouchWiz and there's like no comparison. So I think that that's really impressive and Samsung is so good at hardware that this actually feels like it could be an excellent watch. I actually just got mine. I don't, I haven't set it up yet, but I'm super excited. It also has like body composition stats, temperature tracking, like a bunch of really cool feature so i'm excited about it for to be honest like i think it's an exciting watch that actually could potentially compete with the apple watch i 100 agree i think this is going to be a great watch to look at and it's definitely something that i did like this week in the news cycle with that being said though i do want to give a quick pivot here to one of the things that we do every episode called stuff we like this week it is an episode format or type or part of the episode Yes, uh -huh. I am going all over the place today. It is a part of the episode where we discuss our favorite things in the media this week, things that we have watched and enjoyed that we want to share with you or even listen to, whether it's music, podcasts, and pretty much anything under the sun. Jacqueline, I'm going to throw it to you for number one. Ooh, I love that you just did that. I was like, I feel like we should move on to that. I just texted you and then you did it. That was like insane timing. All right, my first one is a song by Taylor Swift. I feel like everyone listens to the podcast knows that I love Taylor Swift. I think she's great. Um, the song is called Daylight, but I think there's there's a playlist on Spotify, which I think is funny. It's called Taylor Swift Songs, but she's in love. And so it's like all of her songs that like she wrote like while in relationships or stuff. And so they're all like very like romanticized views of love. So I feel like I listen to it when I want to feel happy. So that's the playlist rec. I think it's really good. And she's an excellent like songwriter and storyteller. And so you can like kind of feel exactly what she's feeling when you listen to the music. Awesome. That's great. I'll definitely have to check that out. My first one for this for this week is actually a song by Russ and Ed Sheeran. It's called Are You Entertained? 
Uh, are you entertained? Ooh. I don't know what it is about this song that just gets me so fired up. Like I've been listening to it the past couple of days, and every single time, like I just want to, I just want to start jumping around. I don't know why that the energy, the melody, it just it gets me going. I'm going to the gym after this, and this is the first song I'm listening to when I get there. I swear to God. I just added it to my playlist because of you. That's awesome. I love songs that are like upbeat. Like there's another one actually by Ed Sheeran. This will be my second one for this week. That also has the same effect for me. I listen to it anytime I need to be like hyped up. It's called Remember the Name. And it's like a very like overly confident song. But like if I'm like going into an event or like something where I need to like be on and charismatic and like fool myself or whatever, like I listen to it and it always makes me like hyped. That's awesome. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Yeah. Um, what is it called? Uh, my, fir- my third one for this week and probably my last one is going to be this. Du- Wait, this is only your second one. Oh, this is my second? Yeah. Oh, I have three this week. <laughs> so uh, just, just get, get prepared. Uh, for that. So okay. uh, for number two, I actually was going to do a docuseries I watched on Netflix yesterday. It was okay. called I I Just Killed My Dad. And Ew. it was about it's a, like, it's actually a very interesting story. It's about this son who had killed his dad and like with and he'd fully admitted that he did it. And he was like, he wasn't denying it. But the issue was no one knew why he did it. Like no one mm. understood it because the story that everyone around him had known was that he had like lived a very nice life and his dad had always provided for him. He'd lived like this like very luxurious lifestyle. It just seemed like a spoiled kid who killed his dad. And it goes into like the story of like his history and his dad and his relationship and all of this. So it was just very interesting. I'd highly recommend it. That's wild. And it's a true documentary. It is a true documentary, but I do have to give a trigger warning here because it does talk a bit about domestic abuse. So if this is something that if that is a topic of conversation that you are not very comfortable with, I wouldn't recommend seeing it. But if that's something that uh, you are comfortable with and don't mind watching a docuseries about, I would recommend it. Okay, that's a good warning. Interesting. Okay, my next one for this week is actually Colin Smear. They just joined the LinkedIn Podcast Network, and so they're doing a lot more of like consistent podcast episodes. And I've been listening to it like every single week. I feel like they're giving me like a creator education in a way that you you just don't get from other people. So super excited about it. They just posted an episode that I'm like very eager to listen to today. It's called "Why It's So Hard to Hire a Good Editor" because. Darsh and I talk about this all the time off podcast, but I work so much and I love it. But sometimes I feel like it's like requires so much of my energy and like so much of my time. Like I'm literally like, I, sometimes I put it above like so many other things in my life. And I feel like one of the things that takes a lot of the time is editing. It's like 20 or 30 hours of video. And so I've definitely been like toying with the idea of like what it would look like to hire an assistant editor to like help. Anyway, so I feel like this episode will be super relevant. I'll feel validated, but also maybe get some advice. So their podcast, I'd highly recommend if you're a creator or in the creator economy and just like interested. That's awesome. I definitely do have to check that out. My last one this week is actually a song that I found on TikTok. It's been like from this one TikToker who's been like, he's pretty much been teasing it for like weeks and he finally dropped it. It's called Enough by Charlie on a Friday. It's like okay. a, it's a very much like a cathartic song about like your ex kind of thing. Like it's, it's very much Ooh. like, it's, it's like upbeat, but it's also kind of sad, which is very much my vibe. So I kind of really like it. Okay. If that's something that you're interested in, or you're just going through some heartbreak, I actually recommend it. It's a pretty good song and like, it's pretty upbeat and like fun to listen to. I listen to it at a party, but I feel like everyone else would just feel bummed out. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just kind of where I stand with it. But go check it out. Uh, Enough by Charlie on a Friday. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, I feel like we have to do a Spotify blend. Like we actually need to do that and get our playlist together. I feel like we have one. I just can't find it. Oh, do we? Okay. We need to create a new one then. Absolutely. So down. Okay. Very down. If we do it, guys, we'll share it with you. But that's it for this week. Thank you so much to Adil Constantine for the incredible intro-outro music. We'll be back next week at 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Um, and the last couple episodes are doing really, really well. So thank you guys for all the support. If you have a friend that's interested in tech, maybe share the podcast with them. It would actually help us like tremendously. Absolutely. And if you guys like what you hear this episode, as we mentioned earlier, you guys should go drop a review down below, whether it's a one star or a five star. We'd love to hear your feedback to make sure that we can keep making this channel and making this show better and better for you each week. 
And remember that we do give out shout-outs to people who do drop reviews. So this is your chance right now to our, our loyal listeners who are here to the very end. Mm. Go drop a review, and we'll see you guys next week, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern.